You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material. And before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I have Gareth Ed, our Head of Australian Economics. Gareth, good to have you on. Hi, Belinda. How are you? Good. Now, we are obviously doing this over the phone given the current state of affairs here in Sydney and... Today, we've, we've slept on the RBA's policy decision uh, from yesterday, which was a highly anticipated policy meeting. I think we've been waiting two months to see what the RBA did. And there certainly was some key shifts in policy. Looks like they are beginning the, the long journey of winding back some of the extraordinary monetary policy support they've had in place in the Australian economy over the past 18 months. How did you interpret the meeting? Were you surprised or really it was kind of in line with our thinking? Look, it was in line with our thinking, although we weren't really sure which way the Reserve Bank Mm. was going to move, um, particularly given that Sydney's in the midst of a lockdown at the moment and we sort of thought maybe that would ultimately have an impact on on their decision, particularly around the the bond buying program. I thought it was a really um, interesting kind of meeting to the extent of the statement and then the press conference after. Um, I think it didn't really matter what side of the fence you're on, whether you're a, um, a more hawkish than the Reserve Bank or you're, you're quite dovish. There was probably something in it in there for everybody. Um, look, the, the, the Reserve Bank still sounds very, very dovish. They haven't really changed their assessment in terms of the outlook for inflation or wages. Yet having said that, they are recognising the fact that the economy has improved uh, a lot better than they initially expected. Um yeah, that, that's been recognised in their decisions, mm. um, particularly around the tapering of, of the bond line program. It's not a it's not a big taper, but nonetheless, directionally, uh, it's a move that reflects you know, how well the economy's been going. Uh, and the other thing too is on the forward guidance around the cash rate. Mm. Um, previously, the RBA had been talking about conditions um, you know, not being met until 2024 at the earliest that would involve raising the cash rate. That language was modified to just um, 2024 now. So they're still very dovish, but um, directionally they've taken a step towards our line of thinking that um, you know may not be as long uh, that the economy needs this incredibly um, incredible amount of stimulus. And I think um, what, what's giving us some comfort around our call, which is for the Reserve Bank to raise the cash rate in November of next year, they've said they're going to be data dependent, and that even though they're talking about this 2024 view. That's really around where they think um, inflation outcomes will be, not just having a, a calendar-based board guidance for the sake of it. So fascinating um, meeting, I thought, and, and decision, and it's really going to be the, the data that, that um, drives what they ultimately end up doing. I thought your point earlier about it was interesting that they came to these decisions in the middle of uh, a lockdown Uh, in Greater Sydney and obviously in the past month or two we have had lockdowns in various states throughout the Australian economy so the uncertainty is a little bit heightened but they're confident that economic activity spending does resume back to its normal level post these lockdowns there's no discernible impact on I guess the momentum in place and that's certainly something that we have seen in our CBA 
household credit and debit card spending data. In fact, when we released uh, that data for the week ending 2nd of July, we didn't see that much of a dip in spending in New South Wales. And in what was quite pleasing, Victoria's spending actually returned to its pre-lockdown momentum. So the RBA is obviously taking a more optimistic view on on getting through these lockdowns. And as you say, they'll become much more data dependent going forward. If we just look at some of the key policy decisions that they took in terms of yield curve control, they're going to maintain the April 24 bond. Yeah, look, they they are. Um, That was pretty much in line with what everybody expected. I mean, to roll that out to the November 24 bond would have implied that I don't think they're raising the cash rate until the end of 2024, um, which is just not credible given the the backdrop. So that that decision um, was pretty much locked in, I think, before the meeting. Mm. Um, What it means is, though, it's no longer going to be three-year yield curve control because that April 24 bond will shrink in maturity which means that the part of the yield curve that the RBA is controlling is also going to shrink. Uh, they've effectively just put, put a line in the sand now um, on, on how long it is, they think, before they'll, they'll raise the cash rate. Um, I mean, ultimately, our view on the cash rate means that they're going to have to abandon yield curve control well before April 24. Uh, but I think that decision really was a no-brainer given, given the economic backdrop. And as you said at the start, the one that was more open for debate was the bond buying program or its third round of quantitative easing. They have tapered. So instead of buying $5 billion of bonds a week, they're now buying, as of September, they're buying $4 billion a week. And I think that was really in recognition of the strength of the economy. Absolutely. In fact, if you read um, the governor's press conference, what he says here that they've um, adjusted the weekly purchases from $5 billion to $4 billion from September in recognition that the economy is on a better path than they had earlier expected. And also he added that the outlook has improved. So, look, it's, it's a modest taper in the scheme of things, but it, there were a lot of people in the market yesterday that were not expecting the Reserve Bank to taper. And I thought the other interesting thing is, too, they've only um, announced what they're going to do for two months yes. from September. So they're going to review the bond purchases again in November. Um, you know, By the time we get to November, uh, on our forecast, the, the economy will be have made further progress. The labour market will be mm. tighter. Uh, wages growth will have started to pick up. I think as well, and really importantly, a, a big chunk of the Australian population will have been vaccinated um, around November. And so ideally, uh, lockdowns are going to be a thing of the past. And the other critical thing is that uh, we'll, we'll have a better idea of what the US Federal Reserve is going to be doing in terms of their bond purchases. Yes. And the governor yesterday uh, reiterated that one of the things that feeds into their decision around bond purchases is the decisions of other central banks. Mm. So I, I think it was a, a pretty smart move from the Reserve Bank yesterday not to, not to lock themselves in for too long. They've certainly they're directionally signalled that um, you know, they think it's the right thing to do a little bit less. Um, it's still very big in terms of um, an amount of purchases, but uh, it's a little bit less. So it's just giving everyone um, a sense out there that the Reserve Bank is cognizant of the direction the economy is on and the need to start winding back some of that extraordinary support. But, you know, by the same token, they haven't locked themselves into anything really from November and they can just assess and make a decision based on how the economy is travelling and, you know, how what other central banks have decided around bond buying, uh, particularly the US Federal Reserve, mm. uh, as we get to the latter part of this year. We've also seen the Bank of Canada and the Reserve Bank of New Zealand take a more active stance in uh, the needing to reduce some of that 
uh, policy support that they've been providing into their economy. So that's really Australia's closest peer set as a commodity exporting nation. Now, just turning around to the cash rate, we obviously expect that first rate rise in November 2022. Uh, Just given our forecast of the economy, the Reserve Bank has, as you said at the start, removed the words of uh, looking at when conditions may lead them to lift the cash rate. They've removed the words at the earliest after 2024. We must be pretty happy with our forecast after yesterday's meeting. Yeah, look, that, that's right. And, and as we sort of keep reminding our listeners and, and our readers, um, our view on the Reserve Bank on the cash rate is really just underpinned by our forecast for wages growth and inflation. And we have a different profile to the mm. Reserve Bank in terms of what we think is going to happen with wages and inflation. Uh, we think the labour market is very tight at the moment and is tightening quite quickly. Um, the job vacancies data that was out last week was incredible. Uh, it showed that there is a record number of job vacancies out there as a share of the number of people who are unemployed. And we also know that the starting point is an unemployment rate of a, of a touch over 5%. So I think the labour market's going to keep tightening very quickly. Uh, that will then in turn see wages growth step up in a way that the Reserve Bank is not forecasting. And with wages growth uh, lifting, that'll pull inflation higher. And therefore, we think that the the key condition that needs to be met uh, for the Reserve Bank to raise the cash rate, which is to see inflation sustainably within the target band, uh, we think they'll be, will be in there by the end of next year, which is ultimately why we expect the RBA to begin to normalise monetary policy. So, in a, in a lot of ways, um, we're both uh, both us and the Reserve Bank are looking at, at the same conditions for what needs to be met to raise the cash rate. I mean, we just think we get there a lot sooner. Yeah. Um, it's going to be where the data actually lands that, that ultimately shows who's right or not. But I just kind of add that the Reserve Bank, um, particularly Governor Lowe yesterday, was talking a lot about how they have not yet seen any lift in wages or inflation. And, um, you know, I, I think it'd be surprising if we had already seen a pickup mm. in wages growth, given you've got to get the labour market tight enough uh, initially before wages growth will, will start to accelerate. And it wasn't tight enough uh, in the early part of this year, which is why the official wage price index has not yet lifted. But you know, I don't think uh, it's then, I don't think what's going to happen is that it then just stays low, even though the labour market continues to tighten. Now, we think that um, we're at that point now where wages pressures will, will start to emerge. I mean, it's certainly coming through in uh, some of the business surveys out there, our, our discussions with clients, as we mm. talked about before. Um, you know, that's going to find its way into the wage price index at some stage, um, you know, potentially Q2, or maybe we'll have to wait to the Q3 wage price index. But I think when that happens, that's really going to challenge what the Reserve Bank is saying about how long it's going to take for wages pressures to emerge. And then you know, when we get to that point, we might see another shift in, in tone from the Reserve Bank. And I think they're quite willing to do that if the data prints outside of their central scenario. They've been quite clear about what their central scenario is. They also have obviously a downside and an upside scenario. And there's no doubt that the economy has been performing above their central scenario to date in 2021. So it's not out of the realms that they'll be very willing to change their central scenario if the data shows them that they need to. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, and they've you know, stressed for a while now that they're, they're looking for actual outcomes rather than mm. forecast outcomes. But they haven't actually said you know, that they've shifted to uh, some sort of average inflation targeting where they need to see an overshoot no. uh, before they move. I mean, that, and I think that's a really important point. Uh, all they're looking for is inflation to be sustainably within, within the target. 
They're not seeking to kind of make up for a few years pre-COVID when inflation was undershooting. All they want to see is it get to a position where it looks like it's going to stay within the target, and for that you need higher wages growth. We get those outcomes, uh, they start to normalise the cash rate from incredibly low level. I mean, it's down at 0.1%, mm. and it can't go any lower. So we're talking about them just um, you know, beginning to normalise policy when the conditions uh, are there that enable us to do that. We think we're there by the end of next year. They think it's going to be take, take a little bit longer. I think they're just taking a, a cautious approach mm. at the moment. Uh, probably a little bit, given we haven't had strong wages go through a while, that's probably un- underpinning their caution. But I would just add that we've never, we haven't had a labour market like this for a long time either. But I think ultimately what's happening in the labour market in terms of supply and demand for labour will impact wages. And that, of course, underpins our view on the cash rate. And coupled, of course, with that expansionary fiscal stance of both the federal government and increasingly what we're seeing in each of the state governments as well. So it's really those two things together uh, that really helps put the Australian economy in a very different position than what we have seen uh, in the recent past. Look, absolutely. And, and um, you know, we've pointed out this out for a while, but we've got both arms of policy now really pulling in the same direction, which is something we didn't have um, pre-COVID. So, you know, it makes it a lot uh, easier or, or less hard, depending on which way you look at it, from a Reserve Bank to achieve their objectives if the Commonwealth Government, um, in particular's fiscal stance, is supportive of ex- is an expansionary mm-hmm. stance which uh, is supportive of the economy. And the one other thing too, I'll just add on top of that, is the household sector has accumulated a, a, a monumental amount of savings over the past 12 months. And in fact, savings are still rising at the moment. Again, that's a dynamic that we've not seen. And that's going to support um, consumer spending over the next couple of years, which will ultimately support the labour market and feed through to that higher wages and inflation. And it will also support households when interest rates do lift uh, by providing a buffer against uh, higher mortgage repayments as well. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. You, you put a piece of work out on this last week, but um, you know, households have, have put a lot of money away over the COVID period. There's lots and lots of money sitting in offset accounts and redraw mm. facilities, which suggests that when interest rates rise, and we're not, we're just talking about taking interest rates to a quote unquote normal level or a neutral level. Um, you know, that's going to be the right policy approach uh, when we get to a point where the uh, wages and inflation backdrop uh, is that is that a point that basically means we're at full employment? And that is really the, the point of which a central bank should normalise interest rates. Mm. I think the, the Reserve Bank has basically said they're very open to doing that. They just think it's going to take a while for us to get there. Certainly going to keep us on our toes for the rest of this year, given uh, we're in July. The next, I guess, major decision for them will be in November to see if they further taper their asset purchase program. So we'll be keeping a keen eye on the data between now and then. Gareth, appreciate your insights on the RBA. Thanks, Buda. Now, where CBA data is referred to, this means the proprietary data of the bank. As the statistics take into account only the bank's data, it may not reflect all trends in the market. All customer data used or represented is anonymised and aggregated before analysis and is used and disclosed in accordance with the bank's privacy policy. And you can read Gareth Ed's write-up of the RBA policy decision, which was published on the 6th of July 2021 on combankresearch.com.au. 